0: Hello and welcome to Who Books That with Harrison Greenbaum. I'm your host, Harrison Greenbaum. We're already up to episode 14, which is crazy. We had an amazing week last week. We have Matt Franco and his adorable grandmother. Uh, we also had Deva Williamson and an entire cast of people talking about all the pranks they pulled over on each other over the years. But wow, we have an incredible episode for you today. The very first episode of Who Books That was Matt King. And the first time we ever had a surprise guest, Uh, The surprise guest was Lance Burden, Mac's childhood friend, uh, and I've been waiting uh, so long to have him as the featured guest. Uh, Lance has been an inspiration to, uh, I I would say, millions of people and and thousands of magicians around the globe. He is the first American to win FISM, the Magic Olympics, which is like the regular Olympics, except all the competitors are virgins. Uh, He had one of the longest contracts, uh, at the time was the longest contract in Vegas. He's at the Monte Carlo. He performed Uh, For millions of people, um, I have the exact stat right in front of me. There we go. 15,000 shows in Las Vegas for over 5 million people. 31 years in Las Vegas. He truly is a master magician, and I am so excited to bring him on. Uh, Before I do, though, I should mention that this show is presented by the International Brotherhood of Magicians, which uh, Lance has been an incredible ambassador of. Uh, And if you'd like to join the International Brotherhood of Magicians, you just go to magician.org slash join the IBM slash join, super easy, and join this wonderful organization. Uh, I'm a member, Lance is a member, um, so please make sure you join it. And we are here every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're on the East Coast, 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast, and you can follow me at Harrison Comedy on Twitter and on Instagram. Uh, And if you've been following the show, you've noticed uh, my hair is getting much, much longer. Uh, the pace is coming in and the full Jew is coming out, but it is now time to bring up the the man of the hour, plus uh, hour and 15 minutes. He is uh, amazing. And I am thrilled and delighted to bring him on. Make some noise. Get excited from your apartment and your home. It's Lance Burton, everybody. Uh, Hello, Lance. Harrison, how are you? How you doing? Great. So it's just like the irregular Olympics. Yeah, exactly. when, the- I, when I was hosting the Illusionist, I had to bring up uh, Shin Lim, and they—I I tried to figure out a good joke to read for uh, every time I mentioned his name. <laughs> oh, there's and the you- linking ring.
1: And thank you for the IBM for sponsoring the show. I've been a member of the International Brotherhood of Magicians for 46 years, and I just today got my Linking Ring magazine for this month, and I've just been reading it. And and uh, one of the things we're trying to do at the IBM is to encourage more young people to get involved in magic, and one of the Columns is written by Simone Marin. Is where where are they now? These are kids that have come through the Lance Burton uh, Team Program, and uh, Ruben is one of our Reuben Morland's one of our great success stories. He has gone on and done some amazing things, and he 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 uh, came through our um, our our Young Magicians Program uh, uh, oh a decade or more ago, and uh, we're we're doing it again this year. Uh, obviously online because we can't really all get together. The, the convention has been canceled this July, but we are doing the teen seminar. It's free of charge. Any teen who's a member of the IBM or or, or is associated, or has a family member in the IBM. So it, you can find all that information on the IBM website. So anyway, happy to be here. And no, that's uh,
0: amazing. The linking ring is awesome. It is the perfect size to read while you poop. That's what I say. Uh, it is a fantastic bathroom read or a regular read. Uh, it's definitely worth saving. This is uh, this is a family show or is this, this is, a light night show? That's why I said poop. Oh, okay. <laughs> but also, I love that you brought up Ruben. Ruben is somebody I've known since he was a kid at Magic Camp. And I did a travel show where I literally traveled all around the world. It's called Recalculating. And Ruben was my uh, director of photography and editor. Oh. He, I, we flew around the world together. Ruben's done an incredible, he's an incredible oh, magician and an incredible filmmaker.
1: An incredibly talented young person, and he's going to be a success no matter what direction he goes in life. So we're very proud of him.
0: Yeah. And S- uh, Simone is watching. Uh, oh, she just Simone. put the link. It's bit.ly slash 2020 LBTS, Lance Burden Teen Seminars. That's pretty easy. There we uh, are. Thank you, Simone. And I love you're filming. Uh, are you in Las Vegas right now? I am in Las Vegas. Yes, sir. I love it. I love that the uh, the classic costumes behind you. Those are fantastic.
1: Behind me over on this, over here, uh, the Harry Blackstone uh, fans will recognize uh, the Merlin character. Uh, that There was a trick that uh, Harry Sr. and Harry Jr. closed their show with. It was called The Old Man and the Whiskers. And it was a transposition. And the first time I saw that trick was in 1977. Matt King and I were sitting at Abbott's, a magic convention, and it was an afternoon show, and it was the first time I had seen Harry Junior live, and he did this illusion and just just stunned us. The entire audience got up and left, and Mac and I sat there in the bleachers, literally for fifteen minutes, neither one saying a word. And finally, Mac looked at me and said, "How do you do that?" And I said, "I don't know," and uh, but that that inspired me uh, to, to to pursue that branch of magic. And, the uh, and, uh, I did many of them in my show over the years, but the one over here, that is my sword fighting character. And, and that yeah, was
0: Greg Janover actually wrote costume from sword fight illusion as if you needed help identifying the costume in your own home. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I, I,
1: I did a little talk with the collectors group last night and I'll tell the, I'll tell you guys the same thing I told them. These, I did not pull these out for this thing. These live here in my
0: living room. <laughs> and how did you obtain the Blackstone one?
1: Uh, I actually, I'm not a real collector. I'm not a collector like some of these people are, uh, but that is the one piece that I did actually buy. Every Everything else I've got, I sort of got by accident, or people give, gave to me or just fell in my lap, but I actually did. Uh, uh, my good buddy, Bill Smith, uh, actually wore that Merlin costume when he traveled with the Blackstone show. He was part of that trick. And a few years ago, he called me up and said, hey, they're, they're having an auction with all of the, not all, but a lot of the Blackstone illusions and and things. And there's two of those Merlin costumes, and do you want one of them? And I said, yes, I do. Amazing. Bill bought one, and, and, and Bill got the one he wore, and I, I got the one that uh, Harry Jr. wore.
0: I, I was doing some research into your bio and there was a time you were performing. Uh, all, I mean, I think it was what eight shows a week or is it more than that?
1: Oh, uh, well, when back at Tombstone junction, we did uh, 21 shows a week. My oh my, my gosh! professional job was three shows a day, seven days a week. And uh, then when I came to Vegas, it was two shows a day, seven days a week, 14 shows a week. And then we got a day off uh, in the mid eighties and, uh, so it was twelve, and then, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we we I slowly
0: got less and less
1: shows as time went on.
0: No, that's amazing. Well, the reason I asked was there was a there was a period where you had to go off stage because you broke your you broke your foot while you were on stage. Yes, finish the show. And yeah. so I guess the question is, obviously, you didn't want to stop performing, but you physically were unable to. Yes, And that's the closest I think any of us have come to sort of the kind of break that we've had during quarantine. Were there any lessons from those two months that might apply to uh, this crazy time?
1: Well, you know, it was uh, it was. Yeah, it was the first time in my adult life I'd been uh, had that time off, not not having to do a show. And I and basically I couldn't get out of bed because I had surgery. They put a plate and six screws in my in my foot because uh, the bone I I broke the uh, uh, very the very small bone. In the right foot, it's the bone that connects the the little toe to the foot. It's called the fifth metatarsal, and it was broken, but it wasn't a clean break. It was it was all crunched up, so uh, I had to have surgery to fix it. So uh, you know, but I did I did remember thinking, you know, this would be
0: pretty nice if I could walk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a, you know what? That's a good way to look at quarantine. It's like breaking your leg without breaking your leg. It's perfect. Yeah. Like being retired, except you can't go go anywhere. Yeah, that's weird. You retired, and then the whole world was like, "You know what? We think every magician should retire. <laughs> if Lance can't perform, nobody can perform." I got out just in time. <laughs> By uh, the way, you mentioned Ruben Moreland earlier. Yes. Um, if you want to say hello, Ruben's in the house. Hey, hey. Ruben. How are you doing,
1: man? How did you know I was going to show that magazine? A
0: little, Actually, a little yeah, dirty. We didn't know you were going to show him, but as you mentioned, Ruben, I texted him, got him into the room. He logged on, and all this happened. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is this was my magic trick.
1: Hey, that's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I just literally got my linking ring like an hour before, and I was looking through just just a couple of minutes before we went on the air, and I'm going, "Oh,
2: <laughs> what are the odds?
1: <laughs> where are you at, pal? What are you doing?"
2: I am up in Connecticut right now, cooped up in a log cabin, <laughs> working remotely. It's funny, you know. Talking with Simone brought back so many memories from when I was a child going to World Magic Seminar. It was a, it was definitely a, a very lucky time for me. Absolutely.
1: Well, well uh, you, you know, you were one of our, you were one of our best students. You, Bill Cook, uh, Jessica Jane. You know, uh, 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 some of these uh, some of the the kids that came through, you know, I still in contact with and and and, and still think of. So it's it's good to see you. And uh, yeah. And are you working on new magic during quarantine? Uh,
2: A little bit, a little bit. I I work full time as a video editor right now. So a little combination of both. But yeah, I have a couple of ideas in the works for the future with magic.
1: I've been missing it. That's, that's what I, yeah, me too. I, 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 I'm only doing, last year I did 10 shows. I've got the Lance Burton and friends show we've been going out with. So, uh, and I, and I'm really having a great time going out. We were in in Blackpool, uh, in February. So, so we had one show postponed it was in March and before the lockdown happened. So I've been at home, but I've been, I've actually been working on new magic. I've actually got two, uh, card tricks I'm working on. And I don't do a mini card tricks, but I'm working on two new ones. For me, news.
2: I could not have heard better news this entire week during all this You're time. Lance the best Lance news I've
0: heard thus far. Yeah, so,
1: so I'm, I'm working on I'm working on learning new magic. I'm still, you know, that's the great thing about magic. You can be a young magician or you can be an old magician like me. You can still learn and you can still, you, you know, enjoy the process.
0: Yeah. And Lance, what inspired you to start the uh, the, the teen seminar program? Because that was a pretty amazing thing that you did. That started with Joe
1: Stevens. Joe ran, uh, founded the, the Desert Seminar, which is an annual convention in Las Vegas. And back in the 80s, one, one day he came to me and said, uh, Lance, we've, we've never really had a lot of young people attend the seminar, but we are starting to get them to show up. And the problem is we don't have any events for the young magicians. So would you host a lunch? And invite some of your professional friends to come over, and 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 you just sit at lunch with the, at the table with the kids and eat lunch and we'll order pizza or whatever, and and just just chat with them and hang out with them. I said, yeah, that'd be fine. So I got over the years, you know, we had Johnny Thompson and, and Matt King and Fielding West and Channing Pollock and uh, Jay Marshall and Lee Grable and and just just all kinds of wonderful magicians, past and present, that just came and hang out with the kids at lunch. And then a few years, uh, that had been going on a few years. And, uh, and then the next idea was that we make it a whole, uh, a weekend, a separate seminar. And they came to me to propose that. And I said, well, listen, that's a, that's very ambitious, your, your idea, but I think it's a good idea. If you can get Jeff McBride and Eugene Berger to run the program and and actually run the classes, then I will lend my name and I'll do whatever you need me to do. But, uh, you know, at the time I was doing two shows a night, full evening shows. So I I didn't have the, the the know-how or the the time to put the whole thing together. But I know that Jeff and Eugene were really good at running a classroom because I'd been to a couple of their mystery school and master classes. And so that's what happened. And, and, and Jeff McBride is, uh, and, and now Larry Hoss, uh is the dean of the Mystery School, so they're they're really the ones that do the heavy lifting. And 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 Simone Marin and uh, Bill and Becky Wells in the past, of course, they were instrumental in the program. So it, it was a lo- lot of people contributing to it. I always say I'm like Ronald McDonald. <laughs> I don't make your hamburger, but I'm the guy
0: standing there saying, "Yeah, come on in. I have great hamburgers."
2: And uh, I look like Ronald McDonald.
0: Yeah. Cool. I thought I was going in a totally different direction because when you said Ronald <laughs> McDonald, I thought of like the cancer hospitals. And you are like, are you saying that this is everybody's, te- every teenager's last win? <laughs> no, no. I'm, the, I'm just a figurehead.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, you- I owe a lot to the seminar. The, uh, the, that whole experience was what I wrote about in my college essay. So uh, to be honest, there are two things that I, I credit my entire career towards it was the teen weekend and Tannen's magic camp. And even though I'm not a full-time magician anymore, they are so integral into my journey to get to what I'm doing right now and what I hope to be doing in the future that I'm just completely grateful.
0: And what was it like the first time? We, so you go into the seminar room. Lance Burden is there. He's a magic god. What What is that like, meeting Lance for the first time as a, as a teen? Oh, man. I mean, not only do we get to meet him, but we got to go to his
2: house. At the time, it was in Vegas, and we saw the castle, the, the <laughs> The just the 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 amazing uh the villains hideout from Billy Toppet.
1: yeah. <laughs> and, and you know how that came about, Ruben? Did you ever hear the story of why we moved the lunch to my house? No, one, one year we were the, the convention, I think, was at the Orleans, and uh, we were having the lunch there at uh one of the meeting rooms, and then and then but a couple of years, some of the adult magicians. Tried to crash the party <laughs> because they knew that all these magic. mean, we had we had you know Channing Pollock was there hanging out, Johnny Thompson. So we had all these names, these people. So anyway, uh, uh, a magician showed up one day for the lunch, an adult magician, and he had a bunch of a bunch of pictures and posters that he wanted autographed. So he's he oh comes, man, so I'm signing this, and now Bill Wells was was run bill and Becky were running the the program at the time, and Bill got mad at the guy and he says, Hey, this is the teens time to be with Lance and these kids. You shouldn't even be here and so uh so then we started we we started not listing when the lunch was in the in the in the program and then eventually we just moved it over to my house so I thought well, you know the kids will get will get a kick out of coming over over here
2: yeah, it was so surreal I mean that week I met I mean everyone from Johnny Thompson to amazing Jonathan, Chris Angel was there, you were there. I mean it was the list went on and on and on and as I think I was 13 or 14 my first year, I mean I was just completely mind-boggled. It was I, like stepping into a different world.
1: Those were uh, I, I was just looking at a photo the, the other day it was there was one year Chris was he Chris Angel was here. Uh, 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 Siegfried showed up that year. Johnny yep. Thompson, And it was just, it was just, you know, it was really, it was really a, an exciting, uh, I mean, I was excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I like that you had yeah. to move to your house though, because magi- there, if the magicians love two things, it's Lance Burden and free food. So that was the ultimate event. <laughs> That's amazing. Ruben, thank you so much for joining. Yeah, I love that, great that you're doing set you. golden. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. You. I love Look, your brother. you, brother. Take care. Well, hope to see you
1: in person soon. Take care, yeah, man. I'll see you very soon. Take care, guys. Keep up the good work. Brother Morland, everybody.
0: That was amazing. What a surprise. I, you just did that on the fly? I did. I did. I, I, it's like the Matrix for me. I'm beautiful-minding this whole thing. I don't know, I don't know how you can t- text someone and get them talk with me. And, oh, my god. I goodness. have four hands. I have a hand coming out of my chest. That's the only way this works. But speaking of teenagers, uh, you were a teenager once. You were. Uh, I have some pictures of uh, the early years of Lance Burton. Many, uh, many many, years ago. Oh yeah, here's uh here's oh
1: that was, one. that was I'm in my I'm probably in my twenties there.
0: Yeah, okay, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, you're already you've already done the Tonight Show, or you're about
3: to do the Tonight Show.
1: Well, that's I think that photo was taken here in Las Vegas. Uh, I was probably uh, at the Tropicana Hotel. With the, in that photo, I can tell by the length of my hair. <laughs>
0: and the by this time, you're already at the Follies,
1: yeah. Now, that 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 was, yeah, that was, um, that was a photo that we did r- right after I joined the Follies, right, right after I had won, I think, uh, at, at Fism, the Grand Prix. And I think Bill Bill Larson, uh, called and said, We want to put you on the cover, Jeannie. Do you have a photo with the Follies Bergère sign or something that says Follies Berger in it. And so I said, Oh yeah, I'll get one for you, Bill. And we, we, I went down to the theater and they had a photographer and we made that uh,
3: picture.
0: Oh, that's amazing. And, and the Follies, uh, I mean, I guess your, your whole career has been an incredible journey. You started off, uh, being influenced by, uh, somebody in Kentucky doing Miser's dream. Uh, You stayed in touch with him for
1: your whole career. The first magician I ever saw was uh, Harry Collins. Was his name? Terrific magician from Glasgow, Kentucky, and he worked at the Frido, He worked for Frito Lay, the potato chip company, and my mother worked at the Frito Lay plant in uh, in Louisville, and so it was the uh, when I was five years old, they had the employees' Christmas party for all the Frito Lay employees. So it was my mom and dad and my sister and I, and we go down to this party, and there's this guy doing a magic show for, for all the employees. And uh, Harry was just terrific magician, great sleight of hand artist, uh, funny, charming. And so um, he, he, he kept uh, picking volunteers from the audience, you know, to go up on stage. And I noticed that the kids he were, he was picking were the kids that were sitting down front. They were sitting on the floor and I was in the back with my family. So I turned to my parents and I said, "Oh, can I go sit down there in the front with all those other kids?" And I didn't really didn't think they'd let me. And they said, "Okay, you can go down there." And so I get up to go. Now my little sister, who was probably four at the time, then I hear her say, "I want to go down there too." And now I'm thinking, "Oh, she's going <laughs> to she's going to take your chance." <laughs> and so so they said, "Yeah, you can go too." Lance, take her hand and go with her. So we both go down to the front and we sit. Now just at the time we sit down. Harry says, OK, I need a volunteer. I need a kid from the audience. And of course, every kid raises their hand. You know, pick me, pick me. He looked right at me and said, this young fella here and I got to go up on stage. And he he uh, did the miser's dream. So he starts pulling money out from my ill and ears. And that was it. That was my introduction to magic. And um, I, I didn't really I didn't understand what I was seeing. I didn't understand. What this was, And I, I thought the guy had real magic powers uh, because for the next like month, I would get up every morning. I go to the bathroom, I brush my teeth and I look in the mirror and I check very carefully and to see <laughs> where, where was that money that I had missed. And then finally someone took pity on me and said, you know, Lance, the guy doesn't really have magic powers. It's a, a skill that he learned. <laughs>
0: Ah, and then the light light bulb went in off. In your kid brain, there's a guy with, he can make money out of the air, but he still chooses to work at the Frito-Lay factory. Exactly. I thought, he's well. He
1: whatever well, he wants,
0: but he's like, you know what? I'm going to do the chips.
1: What a great job. Any time <laughs> you want uh, something to eat or drink, just find a kid, pull out a coin, and go to the vending machine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that might be illegal now, so maybe he would be forced to go to the, there's uh, <laughs> the weird stranger who's pulling money out of random kids. You're like, I don't know if that's allowed but but harry was a
1: uh, uh, was my mentor he, he later on you know as as i uh, continued on with magic my mom would go to harry and say hey my son is really into this magic what should i get him he, for christmas you know he doesn't want a football or a puzzle he wants magic tricks and then harry harry would say don't worry i know what you should get him and i got you know i got like magic books and uh s- some props and you know things that i could do and then it was Harry who suggested, said, you know, when I was like ten or twelve years old, said you should start performing at birthday parties and you can charge, you know, five or ten dollars a show. And then, th- then another light bulb went off. <laughs> oh, and that's what I did. I started doing birthday parties. So he was very influential uh, uh, on my career. Uh, uh, Harry's uh, was a great, great guy. And if, if you ever go to, if you ever go to Louisville, Kentucky, go to. Uh, it's a really interesting tour they have. Uh, the Cave Hill Cemetery is a, is a very old cemetery. Uh, Muhammad Ali is there. Uh, Colonel Sanders is there. Harry is there. And there's a beautiful life-size statue of him. And uh, also uh, Thomas Tobin is there, the guy who invented the uh, the uh, uh, cabinet with the, the mirror with the 45 degrees. Uh is there and, and the Sphinx table? He's buried there. And a couple of years ago, we just we found him. Uh, my buddy Keith West and I were the first magicians to find his grave, and we put up a, a nice uh, uh, monument there for him. And it was it was Jim Steinmeier that tracked him down, that found him there.
0: Wow! So anyway, it, it,
1: it, it it it's interesting. And it, that was written up in the in the MUM a few years ago.
0: Uh, That's amazing. And also, I think. Uh, it, the, the, do you think that him helping you is something that sort of inspired you to help so many others? There's oh like- yeah, yeah, of course. I had I had I had great mentors and friends. Harry Collins
1: was my first mentor, and then Johnny Thompson and uh, Channing Pollock. The, and, and, you know, Max Maven's been a good friend to me, and of course, Matt King. And you know, you you just you that's that's the way it's done. That's the way it's supposed to be done. You pass it on in the next generation. So, uh, you, you know, as uh, Eugene Berger always used to say when we were doing these teen seminars, uh, Eugene always used to say, this is the most important thing that we do,
0: passing on to the next generation. And on that note, one of the things that was fascinating to read about was that you have the mantle of Lee Grable. So there was the Royal Mantle of Magic, which was passed down uh, from Harry Keller to uh, Thurston, to Dante, to Lee Grable, and now to you. Sure. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what that meant to get it? And because I feel yeah. like there are not that many more mantles. It's, that kind of history and lineage doesn't exist that as much anymore.
1: You want to see it? It's in the it's in the dining room. I would love to see it. All right, hold on. I'll I'll unplug. We'll go on battery power. All right, this is so, amazing. Uh, let's hope our internet holds up. Well, here I'll start. Here I'll give you a quick tour. Help. We'll let's start down here. All the... right, I see a Billy Toppett poster. I yeah. see a Mike tiger. Oh, here I'll give you. Here's. Let me start here with this since you mentioned the mantle, uh, I've got some, some uh, posters up. So here's, I got them all in a row.
0: So they're, probably get, they're not my cave and he might have words with you. Without, without the glue. These oh, are not real
1: ones. there's Keller. And then next to Keller's Thurston and then uh, Dante. And now we didn't actually have a Lee Grable poster, but my good friend Norm Nielsen and Lupe Nielsen took a photo of Lee Grable and created a Grable poster and went ahead and put the the little red imps on his shoulder that, That's the, amazing. that the others used. So we've got them there. And then let me go over here to the dining room. Let me see if I can turn some lights on. It might get a little light and shadowy. So here's a photo. Photo of that day in 1993 when Lee named me as his successor, and there he's putting the cape on me. So we were reproducing the famous uh, Keller, uh, you know, draping the cape on Thurston poster. And this was Lee's cape, and um, I was told that the cape was actually made by a magician's mother, which makes it, <laughs> gives it even more. Before. I don't remember the magician, but but anyway, and here is the actual cape. Amazing! So that was that was that was the moment uh, when he draped it, and here is this uh, calligraphy thing that my good friend and manager Peter Ravine had made. And I'll try and zoom in so you can so you can see it. But it's got the whole lineage listed there, and Clive Burton. So so that's. That's it. There's the there's
0: the dining room. Oh, nice. That's all. they that, are expecting a lot of company for a farm. Yeah, I, I thought you were coming over for this interview. I think I think we can sit on both ends of the table. We'll be fine.
1: Here's Houdini in the living room. So back in uh, oh, 20 years ago or so, the U.S. Postal Service issued a Houdini stamp and they asked me to do the unveiling. So they had this big, huge uh, stamp, you know, stamp made. And we did it on stage. Let me go over here. And so we did it there at the Monte Carlo Hotel. And I did the upside down straight jacket escape with a stamp in the background after after we unveiled it. And uh, uh, we had there that day, Tony Curtis. Wow. Uh, and Tony Curtis strapped me into the straitjacket when I did the straitjacket escape. And that was a thrill. You know, Tony had moved here. And I got to meet him. He came to the show. Super, super guy. The, one of the most charming people uh, you ever ever meet. And uh, so that was a really uh, a, a fun day. Of course, Tony Tony Curtis played Houdini in the movie. And then, uh, here's some of Houdini's, here's some actual stamps on the day it was released in a Houdini picture. And this is a piece of the Houdini upside down straightjack, uh, 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 water sill. So there is a, uh, a piece of burnt wood, a piece of glass and a nail that came out of it. And, uh, i tell you how I got that was, uh, I was at, Johnny uh, the original was destroyed was was owned by Sid Radner who was who was a protege to Hardeen Houdini's brother and uh, in Houdini's will he left all of his props to his brother Hardeen with with instructions that uh, uh, when Hardeen died Houdini's props were to be destroyed uh, but of course they weren't they by the time Hardine died, he left them to his protege, uh, Sid Radner, and Sid had them in the museum up in Niagara Falls, and they had a fire, and so it was, it was destroyed. Um, and they sent it to Johnny Gone to have it restored. So I was at Johnny's shop, and I walk in, and I forget why I was there to look at. He was doing something. Or I was there to see a prop. And there's this, there's this, there's this metal. It was all that was left was the metal framework and it was all black. And I walked up and I'm looking at it and I'm, and I'm thinking, I wonder if that's it. And uh, Johnny comes out and I said, Johnny, is that, is that Houdini's water torture cell? And he says, yeah, the rest is in the trash. You want some? (laughs) Yeah. So We went over to the trash can and picked out that piece of wood and a piece of glass and a, and a, and a nail. And so I, and my Norman, uh, my friends Norman Lupe made that little display for me. So uh, uh, yeah, so like I say, I'm not a collector, but I got all, these are things I got by accident. I just happened to walk in into a shop and there it was. Uh, That's
0: amazing. I mean, even with the the cell, you did, uh, you called it the death tank. You did your own water torture cell escape, yeah. combining all yeah. of the genies. Uh You were in a straitjacket. you were yeah. up down, essentially buried alive underwater. How do you how do you dream of something where you combine no, those together? I would, I would love to
1: say that I was the genius that invented that, but it wasn't me. That was Jim Steinmeier, one hundred percent. And that uh, mean some I invented the sword fight uh, illusion, and 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 the appearing car, and uh, you know there's there's things in my show that I did invent and that I came up with, but that was a hundred percent. Jim Steinmeier, and uh it was just a it was just a really fantastic uh trick. Um I wouldn't want to do it, you know, twice a night in a show, but to do it once uh for a television special,
0: you know, it was it was a terrific, uh it was a terrific number. I remember as a kid, the one that struck out to me was the roller coaster escape, where you were try you were tied to the the tracks.
2: Uh um, yeah.
0: escape before it came over. And as a, as a young budding magician, it looked very real, and it looked like uh, it was an actual close call. Uh, now that I get to talk to you directly, what was it as close a call? Was, that, was the fear on your face real?
1: Well, I tell you what, that was Johnny Thompson, I think, trying to kill me. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't the first one to do that trick. Uh, about 10 years before I did it, Johnny was hired. To be the uh, magic advisor for a Japanese television special, they had a uh, uh, a female escape artist, and they were shooting a, a whole hour special in a Japanese theme park. And so Johnny had to come up with a bunch of different escapes for her to do. And uh, he went to the park and 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 and. You know, found locations and came up with ideas. And one of the things was uh, to escape from the tracks of a roller coaster. So, so he, they shoot this thing, and then he then he comes back and he shows me the video, and I was like, oh wow, that that is really great. So then, then when I start doing my TV specials every year, Johnny would say, you know, you ought to do my roller coaster escape. I go, no, Johnny, I don't think so. And uh, the next year, you know, you ought to do my roller coaster escape. So. So after a few years, he talked me into it and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, we did it, but, uh, uh, you know, that, that just before we shot it, uh, Gary Wallett who was the producer on that show came up to me and he said, now Lance at the end of this, what are you going to do? And I go, what? He says, you know, you, let's assume that you're, you get out and you know, you you live and everything's fine. Uh, this doesn't seem to me, but, to be like one of those things where you, you high five the crew and you do what what are you, what is your reaction going to be? And I said, you know what, Gary, I don't know. Let's, let's just shoot it and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) So we did it. And, and, and uh, you know, I set up and, and I said, you know, that was stupid. (laughs) That was really stupid. That was the first thing that came out of my mouth. And, uh, and then afterwards everybody's,
0: Oh, that was perfect. You know, well, okay. <laughs> well, we have that moment for those who have not seen it. Uh, this is uh, the, the oh. final moments of the roller coaster escape.
1: Ah, here we are. Now, is there uh, is there audio on this? Oh yes. Oh, oh yeah. And one chain is still attached to my leg. You'll notice <laughs> it's hard to see.
0: I was stupid. <laughs> I was really stupid. And for those who want to see it in slow motion, this is the slow motion. <laughs> it looks so close. Yeah.
1: yeah, we had a camera from the front, we had a camera from from we had we had several different cameras from different angles and there was even one camera on the other side of the tracks which which they used in the in an early cut of the special but they got rid of it because you couldn't see anything because nope, we didn't think ahead of time. Cause if the camera's back behind the roller coaster, as the roller coaster comes in front, it just blocks the camera's view. Right. so you, you don't wind up seeing anything at all. So they didn't
0: use that shot. And what, and when you're coming up, cause each special had a sort of dangerous and you were buried alive coming up through the cement, uh, through the, through the dirt. That, that was in the, the
1: hidden secrets of that. Now that was another. That was an interesting story. The, the, uh, the, the premise of the special, Jim Steinleier came up, I think, with the premise of the special. Uh, he, his idea was there are these legendary tricks that people hear about and we read about, but we haven't seen. this. No one in this generation has seen. So it was a whole special of those type of tricks. I, and, and one of them was the buried alive, which was a trick that Houdini was rehearsing to do in his 1927 Tour. And in fact, there's a website called Wild About Harry. And a few years ago, and it's a website all about Harry Houdini. And a few years ago, someone discovered an advertisement from a newspaper advertising Houdini performing The Buried Alive. So they think he actually performed it for like a week to test it out. Before they went, you know, nationwide on uh, as the big ballyhoo piece of his 1927 tour. Of course, he died before he got to the 1927 tour. So anyway, so this was a legendary trick that no one had 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 seen in a generation. Although th- th- there there were other escape artists th- th- that did it. Alley Alley uh, 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 Allen Allen in England did it uh, three times in the 1940s, and uh, my good friend uh, Banachek, did it in the 1980s on a television special. Uh, so anyway this this was anyway this was the concept of the special so they had all these tricks. so again, Gary Wallett called me up and said, Lance, we're doing this special called uh, 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 the Hidden Secrets of Magic Do you want to do the buried Houdini's buried alive and I'm like, Sure Gary, be happy to end of call <laughs> so, so as we were approaching as we were approaching the day, uh, you know we're trying to figure out a good method for it, and we were kicking around ideas so so we had a method that was mostly Gary Wallace's method um, to do it to do it you know and not get killed doing it and which is what we what we wound up what we wound up doing now, it wasn't certain that we were going to use that method because we really didn't know if it was going to work, but i was I was adamant. That I if we're that was this was the end of the special this was the the big finale of the special and we we promoted it all for the whole hour Lance Burton's gonna be buried alive Lance Burton's gonna be buried alive so I said if you're gonna if you're gonna advertise this for an hour then I got to do it and and they said yeah but it's too dangerous why don't we do this why don't why don't we have you the guy driving the bulldozer at the end and I said no no I'm not gonna do do that if i am the guy driving, you know if i take off the thing ha ha ta-da i'm driving a bulldog (laughs) that's not an escape that's an illusion that's a transposition but you haven't told the audience lance is going to do a transposition you've told them he's going to be buried alive and he's going to escape so i have to dig my way out and 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 they kept proposing other ideas. Well, what if we? What if we run out with some cloth and throw it on top of the grave? And it, right, and there you are. No, they didn't want to be responsible for murdering Lance Burton. They didn't want to be responsible for murdering Lance Burton. So, so, so even when we got there on the set, uh, we didn't know if it was going to work when, when we went to film it. So, so, uh, my my stage manager Alan Bracken. Uh, we had to have somebody to test it. So Alan says, Hey, uh, I called Mike Lee and I said, Would you, do you want to come over here and test this thing before we put Lance? <laughs> and I said, no. So I have, you have to explain who Mike Lee wound up working for me at, at the Monte Carlo. He was one of my stagehands, but I was still at the Hacienda at this time. So, <clears throat> but Mike Lee's father is Larry, was Larry Lee. Larry passed away a few years ago. Larry Lee was my boss at the Tropicana hotel.
0: So you were going to the boss's son. He was the producer <laughs> of the Follies for Sharon.
1: So, So when I heard that they'd hired Mike Lee for the day and they were going to use him as a Guinea pig, I said, <laughs> Alan, do not kill this kid. <laughs> do not kill this kid. So, so, so we get out to the set and, and we get out to the Valley of Fire and, and, and the first thing I do I look around and I see these these rocks up in the distance. This rock formation like a small mountain. So I I think to myself, I wonder if I can climb up there. <laughs> there was there was nothing for me to do. They're setting up cameras and setting up the there's nothing for me to do. So I I'm I'm trying to what am I going to do? How are we going to shoot it? So I go and I find a path and I climb up on top of these rocks. And it's a and I can see the whole thing from down there. So then I climb back down. Now, about that time, the director shows up. And, and uh, I say to him, hey, you see those rocks? And he says, yeah, I can climb up there. And he says, really? He says, yeah, get into costume. <laughs> get <me a> <laughs> so I'm like, really? Yeah, let's go shoot some stuff before the sun goes down. Because it was a night shoot for the escape. So, okay so we climb up on the rocks now he has me jump around you know and look look off into the sunset and look and just take all this stuff so anyway uh, uh, we shoot the whole thing I had to do it twice that night I, I had to dig my way out twice oh my god but, but but we got it and 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 we all felt real good about it and then and then when they edited it together with the voiceover and, and the, the, the climate climbing stepping from, jumping from rock to rock and stuff. It was very dramatic. And, and from the time I was buried, when they closed the coffin lid and started putting the dirt in, lower me down to the time I dug up, that was like four and a half, five minutes, six minutes, maybe. And I was told on good authority that that was the longest single shot ever done on network television that's amazing because we wanted it to be one single shot from the time they could see me in the coffin see my face going into the grave the dirt same camera the whole time then me 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 crawling out so anyway that that, that i was told that that was the longest shot in the history of networks single shot at, at, at least in you know magic specials
0: <laughs> can you imagine crawling out and then the director being like i'm so sorry but one of the guys sneezed, so if you can uh, get back yes. in the box, we're gonna do That's this from what the-, the first time. I came out too soon.
1: <laughs> I'm here too soon. They go, can you do it again? I'm like, oh,
0: <laughs> I wash know, I gotta wash the go, dirt go, off. I gotta
1: go shower <laughs> off, and
0: change costumes because you know I'm covered in dirt. But that and was a-, a different uh, thought process going into that. Like the closest I've ever been to danger is I once performed with a cat backstage. I'm allergic to cats. Oh uh, yeah. What, what do you do m- mentally to prepare yourself for, for an escape?
1: Yeah, uh, you just you just you just try to, you know, have as many safety precautions as possible in places you can bail if it's not going. Now that buried alive, the roller coaster probably the scariest looking one. The buried alive, I think was the most dangerous one because those rocks out there, the sand and rocks were very sharp. When mm-hmm. I when I when I crawled out, my arms were all, all cut up and scratched. In fact, the next night I went over to the Maxim Hotel. My friend Fielding West was performing in a show and I went backstage in the dressing room before the show or after the show. And I took off my jacket. And I had a short sleeve shirt on and Fielding looked at my arms. He was like, holy cow, what happened to you? And I said, <laughs> oh, that was last night. We did a I did a buried alive escape.
0: That's amazing. And I've been going through your whole uh, television. Oh, you've had so many amazing appearances. One that stood out was you got to perform for the Queen in 1989. Oh, yeah. What is that like? Because that, well, that's maybe the opposite side of it. A very different kind of danger. It was very
1: exciting. The London Palladium. Uh, it's, it's called the Royal Variety Performance. And I think they started this tradition back in, you know, 1902 or something like that. So, so it's a Every year, they have this uh, a show and they have music and singers and actors and acts and comedians and magicians and and, and uh, they all get together and it's a, a fundraiser for, for, for charity. And uh, the, the, the royal family is a patron of this event. So every year, one of the royals is there in person. It could be, you know, Prince Charles or it could be uh, the queen, but the year I did it, it was, it was uh,
0: Queen Elizabeth and her husband. It's and, like wine though, right? Cause uh, I, I definitely feel like I'd want the queen over Charles. It's like good years and bad years. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really, it was really, it was
1: exciting. She was, she was sitting, uh, the stage is here. The audience is there. She's sitting right here in the Royal box. So, <laughs> so I was doing the bird act. So, so what happened was, you know, at the end of the act, I, I produce all the birds and cards and at the end of the act, uh, two birds in the jumbo cards, and then uh, one of the birds flies to the lamp, and the, one goes on the floor. So I, I usually I go over and I pick up the bird, and I toss him toward the lamp, and he goes back down to the floor. Then, I, then I, I look over and I go, you know, stop the music, and I have this little comedy bit with the bird where I turn him around and try to get him to go up, and I pick him up on my finger, and he still won't go to the lamp, and then finally I throw him in the air, and he changes to the scarf, and, and I take a bow, and that's the end. So, so <clears throat> there's a live orchestra in the, in the orchestra pit. And I'm out there normally during this, this show at the, the, the Royal Variety Performance, they had a live orchestra. So I get to that part in my act. Well, the bird flies down to the floor and goes into the orchestra pit. Oh my God. So now I thought, oh, well, this is, this is okay. I'll just walk over and I'll ask you know, the conductor to hand him back to me. So I walk right. over to the orchestra pit. I look down in the orchestra pit it's empty <laughs> because following me is Jerry Lewis. And Jerry Lewis is going to do his routine where he conducts the orchestra. So, he has, so they have moved the <laughs> orchestra. The orchestra with them backstage. They're back behind me, behind the <laughs> curtain, sitting up. So now, of course, You're, 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 this is, we're at the London Palladium. The queen of England is here. My parents are sitting in the balcony. They came over for the show and it's, 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 you know, full of, of, of the aristocrats, you know, of England. So now your brain starts, the the synapses start firing off. And so I think, okay, I should, I could go off stage. I could go down those stairs and go down and I could find it and then find my way back up. And I go, that's going to take too long. So then I just decide, okay, I'm just gonna go get that bird. So I turn to the Royal box and I say, excuse me one moment, your majesty. And I crawl into the orchestra pit in full tails, tuxedo. Now I find the bird. Now remember I'm palming a silk handkerchief. (laughs) So I get the bird, he's sitting on a musician's stool. So I get the bird. I grab him with the same hand. I'm palming the handkerchief. Now I got the bird. So I gotta have one hand free to climb out. (laughs) How am I gonna get out of here? I don't know how I did it. Somehow I reached and I got and I and I climbed out and I stood up and I held the bird up. Now the audience starts applauding (laughs) because this American has gotten his bird back. (laughs) I finished the thing and and everything. Was fine, and I was very disappointed though. They cut that part out of the oh, broadcast. No. That's yeah. almost like a
0: buried alive moment. It's the same thing the hand comes yeah. out. He he's out, he's alive, but the they, they, from a bird.
1: They, they, <laughs> they edited that out for the on the when they aired it on television. And then after the show, uh, we're standing there in a line. We all we all form a line. The curtain comes down, and we they say, Stay there. The queen's going to come back, and I'm standing there next to Elaine Boozler, and uh. And, uh, the, you know, they come back and they come around and the queen sort of nods to people and and every now and then she'll stop and say something to somebody. Not everybody, but she'll stop. And she came by me and she stopped and she reached out her hand and I took her hand and she leaned in. She says, very interesting performance.
0: <laughs> I actually have a video of that moment. Let's watch. Oh, oh uh, here. Yes, meeting the have queen. Me. There's a fantastic narrator. Yes.
1: Yes. There. Very interesting performance. Yes. And there's Elaine. There's my friend Elaine Boozler, the famous comedian.
0: Actually, you know what? Uh, I think it would be great um, to back up this story. Uh, we actually have Elaine Boozler with us. Ah, there you go.
4: <laughs> I am not in Saudi Arabia. I just want to say after months of quarantine, I have a better mustache and beard than you do, <laughs> and I have not had hair dye or straightening in months, and over my dead body will you see my, my upper upper echelons today. Uh, but um, only for you would I have even shown this much of myself uh, with the going on. I have to tell you, I think it was the first time I ever saw Lance perform at that performance. He stunned the crowd. It was silent, elegant. It was the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen in my life. And I loved him from that day on. We became fast friends. I thought I remember the dove flying up to the Queen's box, the railing and coming back. Am I wrong?
1: Somebody told me, I think it was Stan Allen that told me, says, you know what you should have done? In rehearsal, you should have had your mom sitting up in the royal box with a bowl of (laughs) birdseed.
4: Well, you know, I've had an unanswered question for 30 years and you just answered it. She only talks to a few people. She doesn't stop at every person on the line. And I always wondered what she said. And now I know because she stopped at me. (laughs) And she looked at me and she said the same thing, except she said it with so much attitude because, you know, I had struggled up there. She just went, very interesting. And I had to do everything not to say Artie Johnson, nineteen. but um, you know, yeah. So that's what she says to people. Very interesting. But I think to you she said it with love, and to me she said it with, oh my God, kill yourself.
1: But that was so. a, that was a very exciting. That was a oh, exciting, it was fantastic.
4: It. Yeah, it was so such a great memory. And the fact you sent me the link of her greeting us last year, I had well, never known it existed, oh, and yeah. you sent it to me. Yeah.
1: They aired it. They aired it on uh, on TV on the I think the BBC. And oh were-
4: yeah. Well, it was so nice to have that. It's such a nice thing. But isn't she? Were in her eyes like see through blue, like this blue? And she was our. She just. She was gorgeous. Her eyes were these right. amazing twinkling blue. She was phenomenal.
1: Yeah, it was. It was a very exciting show. I'll tell you a quick Elaine Boozler story. You know Uh-oh. Elaine. And I, Elaine and I both. Why are
4: you-
0: <laughs> Love animals. Yes, we. Another do. reason I wanted you guys together is you guys do yes. work uh, yeah. helping animals, animals. Elaine
1: has has a foundation that that gives away money, raises money for for animals. You know, she concentrates oh, on the. Oh, thank small you.
4: Animals.
1: So so about twenty years ago, I was doing a benefit show at the Monte Carlo, and it was for the uh, local uh, uh, the animal foundation here in las vegas Mm -hmm. and and, uh it was uh i called elaine and i said uh, i think on the show it was me and the smothers brothers right Elaine?" and so but i called elaine i said elaine we're doing a fundraiser here in las vegas for the animal foundation and we'd love to have you come and and perform on it and she says what's the date and i gave her the date i'll be there i went Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about, you know, we want to get your flight. No, no, don't worry about it. I'll pay for my uh, own.
2: Well,
1: what about a hotel? No, I don't need a hotel room. I'll fly in. I'll, I'll stay in a kennel. <laughs> like, wow. If only everyone in show business was that easy to get along with. I mean, oh. she, she, on her own dime, she spent her own money to buy her oh. own plane ticket. And she flew up from LA. She came to Vegas. She did the show. And she was fantastic, and everybody loved her. And she didn't ask for anything, and it was just like, yes, for the animals, I'm there. Oh,
4: what a guy. Thank you for that. Well, yeah, I stole a dog, but I didn't, I didn't say it to anyone. (laughs) I have two dogs literally pushing on me. You can't see because they eat at five on the dot and I swear they swallowed a clock like uh, Captain Hook's alligator and at five o'clock, I swear they'd eat my hands if I died at five o'clock, but they have to wait because this is so important. And yes, thank you. And then I formed Tales of Joy, which yes, you said correctly, we fund the tiniest, neediest rescue groups across the country. And, uh, you know, oh, look at that yeah. beautiful puppy, puppy.
1: Speaking of dogs, look who oh. just oh. this, this is Rocky. He's 10 years old. Wow, he looks like a puppy. And He's so he beautiful. Is oh, oh. oh, he is the world's friendliest dog. Oh, how
4: sweet. Oh, look at him. Oh. This is all he wants to eat. <laughs> and there's a big, big one down below. These are the oh leftovers when we do, uh, you know, nobody wanted them. Then he bit a bit kid.
0: <laughs> and he hit the computer. This glass of water. You know
4: why? Because he wants to eat. That was not an accident. He is so deadly when it comes to food. Are you petting your water glass? Is that your... Oh, I have. I have no... I have-
0: I'm just petting oh. water glass.
4: Oh. Well, you know, we've been doing since the lockdown. We have been sending pet food across the country eight hours a day for anyone. And, and it's good for them to hear this. Anyone who cannot afford to feed your pet now because you lost your job, you just uh, email Elaine, E-L-A-Y-N-E at talesofjoy.net, T-A-I-L-S, and we will send you pet food to feed your pet. That's what we've been doing endlessly for weeks, keeping people's pets fed.
1: Elaine, you are an angel.
4: You are a genius. I mean, you're amazing. And do you remember when we did um, uh, politically incorrect together in Vegas? Oh, (laughs) with Ted
3: Nugent. Ted
4: Nugent, yes. (laughs) Ted Nugent. That was one of the. We we lost Harrison. No, I I felt I felt left out, so I found a dog. He's, he
0: just texted Ted Nugent. He's
1: going
0: to be on in 30 seconds. <laughs> oh no! Well, the—I uh, like he's the dog personality, but he's very well behaved, and he's very well
4: trained, and you don't have to walk him, so it's great. Yeah, this
0: is very good.
4: Oh, well, our <laughs> Ted Nugent thing—I said Ted was doing some gun stuff, and I came up with a statistic which I know to be true, and I was sitting right next to Lance on that show, and Ted looks at me and he says, "Where the hell did you pull that fact out of your ass?" So, <laughs> I looked at him and I said I looked at Lance and I said he's the magician, he pulled it out of my ass.
0: <laughs> so everybody laughed and uh it was funny. Also, I was wondering in the video you you are saying something to the queen. Do you remember what you said to her? Me or Lance? Uh, Elaine, because it, it, it's uh, in the clip you you're talking to her but you can't make out uh, what you're saying.
4: I probably said, "Don't kill me. I'm sorry." Oh, we need, a, we need to bring in a lip reader next time.
0: Thank you, your majesty.
4: I Probably, I'm thank telling you, it was, you know, I didn't wear a skirt. I wore pants and pails. They said I didn't bow low enough. Everything I did was wrong. In the paper the next day, they called for my hanging at Heathrow and oh, Jerry my. Lewis called me up in the hotel and said, I wanna thank you. This is the first time anyone ever got worse reviews than I did and I said, <laughs> oh, you're very welcome. It's why I came. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, they just hated the fact that I was an, a new young single, you know, uh, not doing housewife jokes. They just hadn't seen it yet. And I was a complete insult to, you know, uh, they were a little older. The woman who lent Columbus the money was in the front row. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, you know, they were not ready for me, which, you know, most of the world wasn't in those days. So it doesn't, it seems tame now, but it was very revolutionary at the time. Sorry. No, it was
0: amazing. You are, you are a legend and oh, it's an it thrill to have you on the show. And uh, you both look like you're hiding from ISIS and are in ISIS. So I love that <laughs> about you. he's in
4: ISIS, I'm marrying him and I will be meeting him in the desert in three days and then he will escape and I'll be stuck there.
0: <laughs> but before we let you go, I wanna make sure I plug it one more time, uh, talesofjoy.net. What? That's T a i l s charity and they do a great job uh, helping pets. They're sending food to pets uh, during this time when they do really need it. So Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, just email Elaine, info or me. Lance
1: has all kinds of uh, merchandise and things you can buy on there, and that money goes to help. One hundred
4: percent. One hundred percent, and it's all underwritten. So thank you for saying that, Lance. You are well, such a hell as always. I love you.
1: You are I, 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 the work you do with the Tales of Joy. And, well, thank and, you, you know,
4: so much. You, again, you're an
1: angel, and I well, love you.
4: And I love you, and let's hope next time we both don't have beards and mustaches. We, well, you can have yours, but I intend to get rid of mine eventually, and we get our hair, my hair fixed, and I come back, and I'll do it again. With, uh, <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, much. You. Oh, much love. Both of you.
0: Elaine Boozler, everybody. Oh, what crazy. a
1: surprise. What you
0: know, a surprise. We are, uh, we're already past 8 o'clock. There's another surprise guest who's been waiting very oh. patiently in the wings. Um, let's see if uh, we have a photo of him. Uh, he's he's one of the members of of this photo. I'll pull it up. Uh, let's see. Uh, do you remember uh, what was going on in that photo, Lance?
1: Let's see. Oh, wait a minute. I see. I see a bunch of people. I know. I think there was a wedding that happened.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a wedding. Uh, for those who are looking towards the left, the guy that looks like Bon Jovi is actually Mark Kalin. Yes. Uh, the guy all the way to the right is the mass magician on Oh Well. Yes, the guy in the middle getting married for the first but not last time is Fielding West. Everybody,
1: Fielding.
0: Oh,
3: he's got his gang hey, colors on.
0: Yeah.
3: yeah, I'm wearing I'm wearing my gang colors.
1: Yeah, buddy. You're, I I just want you to know when Lance Burton and friends goes back on the road, you are booked. Okay. <laughs> if it ever
0: becomes Lance Burden, friends and acquaintances, I'm in.
3: Hey, I just want to say something about young Ruben. If he grows a beard, he'll look like Ted Kaczynski, the, the Unabomber. <laughs> <laughs> Elaine looked. A, Elaine was fantastic. I can't say enough about all the, Wait, all the I was and, on this show, by the way, as you remember. The what? I was on that show with the Smothers Brothers and oh, Elaine. Yeah, right yes. But uh, I wanted to say that I met Lance Burton years ago at the Desert Magic Seminar. I was one of the young teens that came on. (laughs) But you know, he talked about Channing Channing Pollock being there and, and all the famous magicians. But I was the most popular spokesperson because when I came to the Teen Magic Seminar, I was thoughtful enough to sell those kids fake IDs because they were in Vegas. Okay. Right, let's so, verify
0: that. We have another member of the team program making a quick cameo. It's Andrew Bosse. Let's see if he's in the house. He's left the
2: house.
3: <laughs> <laughs> got an <laughs> <laughs> we'll
0: bring him back when he's in. Um, but uh, Fielding, do you have any uh, memorabilia in your house that you might wanna share?
3: Well, I, let me tell you something. Um, our good friend Lance was nice enough to shoot a one hour TV special of me yeah, and I was presented. And I want to just show this. It, you can actually read the print on there. That's that's my. Uh, oh, I'm I sorry, mean, magician of the year, Melinda, first lady of magic. I think that. Oh, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, but it wasn't that. That I got that in the. I got that in the divorce. This is the actual. This is the actual thing that I got here, and this was actually given to me by Tony Hoskey <laughs> because in 2009 that show actually aired, and Lance was the reason that that show aired. So that's hocus pocus. It's Fielding West, which, by the way, will be airing uh, pretty soon, right, Lance? Yes.
1: What now? What do you? Yeah, we we are. We I've been talking to. I've been talking to, We did the Billy Toppett screening through the IBM right. uh, a few weeks ago, and we've been talking to him about airing some more special. So I'm just. I'm in communication now. Right. With them. Right. And so we we may air one of my TV specials, and we may air uh, a fielding comedy special. So uh,
3: so we'll while people are stuck at home, let's give them a little entertainment. I want to do a little. I want to say something about that wedding shot, Harrison, that you yes. showed. That was not my wife standing next to me. My wife was the one taking the photograph. You would think that the married couple would actually be in the shot. She went. That was, out, she took. That the, was the, like Tahoe. And at and the wedding- It's not a good sign if the bride wants to take the photo. Right, exactly. But at the wedding, there was only two people that were sober. My wife and Lance Burton. So <laughs> that was it. Everybody else had been drinking. That, that girl standing next to me on, on my left- Mark, Is it young Cindy Lopper, I believe. That's Mark Kalen's uh, assistant at that time. And oh. the girl to my right was uh, Brett Daniels, who's standing right behind her. Uh, Brett Daniels' assistant, and of course, the guy behind me is Ma- uh, Lance Burton, and then behind Brett Daniels is Tim Cole, just before you get to Valentino. So it was a star-studded, uh, or as the entertainment director said, I've never seen that much black hair in one room in all my life. <laughs> is, there a, is there a young Christopher Hart all the way in the back left? Pardon? All yeah. the way to
0: the back left, sec- uh,
3: second person from the left. Yeah, That's uh, Tim Cole in the in the back. Oh, that, oh, Christopher Hart on the left behind Mark Kornhauser. Yes. Yeah,
0: yeah and then we, have the, uh, we have another one. This
3: is uh, Lance Burnham once again, best man. Oh, there we well, are. It was his second well, was- time. I got to tell this story because yeah, I, I laugh about this all the time.
1: That's the same wedding. That's the Lake Tahoe. That, first, that shot we just looked at, that was both from the same. That was his second
3: uh, uh, wedding. Well, what's funny about this, Harrison, uh, in in the video of this, you see Lance and I with our backs to the camera before uh, the bride was given a walk in, and uh, um, our shoulders are are going up and down. And my father said to me, why are you guys moving around? And I said, because Lance turned to me. It was my second wedding. And Lance very casually said, "Uh, hey, buddy, uh, how many more times have I got to do this? Which just completely <laughs> cracked me up, and uh, but that was uh, that was a special day, very special. That's a true best friend, that's amazing. There you go; it helps. <laughs> How did you guys first meet? Well, it was a Desert Magic seminar, and I was a young magician. No, okay, no. The, oh, was-
0: the- <laughs> <very> Darwin
3: <laughs> Club. The truth of the matter was, I wanted I wanted to meet Johnny Thompson, and I was at the Sands Hotel and Lance was at the Follies Berger, and Johnny Thompson was across the street at the Stardust doing a show. And I wanted to meet Johnny, and Lance said he would introduce him to me. But the night... And I was opening for John Kay and Steppenwolf. You know, Steppenwolf, Born to be Wild. So that was the first rock and roll group back at that time, 1982, that they put on the Las Vegas Strip. So here I am opening for them at the Sands. I got so nervous about... Uh, Lance introduced me to Johnny. That I actually went across the street the night before, knocked on Johnny's dressing room door with my with my assistant, introduced myself to Johnny, and he decided that we're going to play a joke on Lance Burton. And the joke was, I produced a bowling ball d- during my act, which is of course Johnny's thing. And I and then Johnny was going to pretend that he was in the audience with Lance getting pissed off, and then. <laughs> Then after the show, he was gonna walk up and take a swing at me. And so that, that we we had actually set Lance up for this joke. And that's how I met, I actually met Johnny the night before, but that Lance was very instrumental in making that come together. And I heard at some point you guys were roommates. Is that true? Well, it was during that time period, wasn't it, Lance? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it, it, it was.
1: I, I had a house over on Seville Street and Fielding was in and out of town a lot. He was doing cruise ships and he was, he was down in Aruba. And so he would, he would just, uh, him and his, his, uh, first wife, they would, they would pop into town and then, uh, uh, they would just stay in my guest room. So that's yeah.
3: hanging yeah. out yeah. Well, for about two and a half years up until about 83. And then, uh, we wound up, yeah, I don't know what happened after it. Oh, that's where, when Lance was, where Lance invented the sword fight trick that, uh, he was so famous for the transposition. Uh, my first wife decided she no longer wanted to be in my magic act at that time. I was doing a sub trunk where I, uh, would stand, uh, she would come out in black fishnet hose, a G string, and a bustier on roller skates. I would put her in the sub trunk in the bag.
0: That's my I
3: Then I would stand on top of the trunk, raise the thing and drop it. Now I'm in the fishnet hose, the G-string and the bustier. And I'd go, that's not it. So now I'd pick it up, bang. Now she would be there in that outfit. And when she opened the box, I'd be dressed again. And that was pretty much a calling card for me. But she got tired of doing that. She wanted her own act. And it was that day that she decided she didn't want to do it anymore. That instantaneously, somehow, some way, I had come up with the tiger trick. Uh, uh, using the same tearaway outfit, and that's how I'd come up with, uh, you know, the shredded clothes underneath. So, that and was I, it. it was all I, that Lance- I took the scissors. <laughs>
1: he 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 had two. He had two outfits. So he, we took his old outfit, and he put it on. And I took the scissors, and I started cutting it up.
3: <laughs> L- Lance, Lance, Lance sheared my pants, and and sheared my. I had a three piece suit on. And I was all underdressed, and it just came out, you know. And the tearaway went on over over the top of it. It was the same suit, and uh, I was able uh, with a what what do you call it? daylight seance uh, hand? Is that yeah? What, what was that with the one yeah, hand?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think you're written, the original version you used a daylight
3: seance. Yeah, so I would just reach over and I'd tear all my clothes off because I had the I had the fake hand up here, and. Uh, and then later on, I just said, oh, I just put the sheet over my head and tear it off because I got tired of bringing that daylight seance. Around. So, but it all worked out. And those were very creative times. I, I'm 10 and a half I'm years like old. It
0: really that. sounded like you guys were riffing off each other and, and sort of each one inspiring the other to add. and, and
3: exactly. We were feeding off each other's energy back then. And he would create yeah. something. I would create something. Building watched
0: me
1: build the sword fight illusion. He watched me build the first sword fight table
3: in my- In, in his living room, in his yeah. living room.
1: I had table, I, I put it together. I was I built it there in my living room. only watched me build it. And the whole time he's looking at me going, what are you doing? And I got this idea. And, uh, would try to explain it to him, but I wasn't explaining it very clearly.
3: Yeah, and, he, kept, oh, so he kept going, well, this is going to be a black art table. Yeah. I said, just buy a table. He start I- with- Sure. We're not giving it's secrets better. away. <laughs> Fielding is being very liberal with Lance's ass. Yes.
1: Fielding, we're not we're not giving the magic secrets away. <laughs> oh, I thought this was going to the IBM. Yeah, but but anybody can watch this. That's right. It's on the internet, Fielding. Okay,
0: sleep. <laughs> also, the, the I can see the mask of the the villain in that trick. Is it based on what Fielding looks like when he wakes up? <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. No, my yeah. you know that that uh that the, uh, the, man the, 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 face that was Johnny Thompson's idea, uh, right. when, when we were rehearsing the trick and Johnny looked at it and he said, and my friend Joe Condon was backstage. Joe was a great magician and a, a hypnotist and a, a gunsmith and an artist. He could do everything. And, uh, uh, um, Johnny said, you know, that should have a face on it. Some sort of a phantom looking thing. And uh, Joe, what do you think? And Joe, look, yeah, I can paint. it. Joe took the mask home, brought it back the next day, and he had painted that on. I was like, wow, that looks great.
3: You know, Lance, you know what you're leaving. You know what you're leaving out of this story, and what uh, Harrison will really enjoy is this, this trick did not st- start with the table. Oh this no, no, evolved, no, this it evolved went- from three giant cards.
1: Yeah, it evolved. The method evolved over the course of two years working on yes. it. Yes. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a long and winding road to get, you know, twisty road to get to, 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 to what you saw eventually in the show. But, and you, you had, know, that's,
3: that's you like invested, every man. You invested quite a lot of money into this, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. So the costumes and props. And so right. was, the first version wasn't really successful, but I had the costumes and everything. So, I was, well, I got to work on I got to come up with something, another way to do this. So, uh, but, but a lot of magic, very few tricks when you're inventing from scratch, very few that I found will work right out of the gate. You always got to tweak them a little bit or sometimes you, you know, you just have to start all over. Yeah. So, uh, but that's, that's, that's what makes it fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, people they see the end product and it looks so easy and they just assume it yeah. just was birthed immediately. And, you know, performing 15,000 performances when, you know, when they see you at, at a show that you've done, was it whatever it was, 14 times a week or at a certain point, yeah. 21 times a week? They're seeing the end result of that.
1: Well, the, now now when we're fielding goes with me, it's, it's me fielding, Michael Goudot, Keith West, and the Illusioneers. So we go and we do these shows, these Lance Burton and Friends shows. And the best part now for me is after the show, we all go into the lobby. We sit at a table. We do meet and greets. So the people come by and we take photos. F- hearing these um, can feeling can back me up on this people come in and and the, the guy will come in and he'll say you know when i was a kid i saw your sh- my mom took you to, to see your show and i went up on stage to put my hand on the bird or you vanished me in the car and here's my mom with me and and here's my daughter and she went up on stage tonight and it's like, oh, my gosh, you hear these uh, amazing stories. It's, it's, it's uh, fantastic to reconnect with
0: people that saw me, you know, 20 years, 30 years ago. And with fielding, it's amazing because they're like, I remember during the Depression when you were 50 and you entertained yeah, I- us during such a hard time right after the war. L- look at the bag.
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, there you go. That's the shirt from last night at the Monte Carlo.
1: Oh yeah, that's that was that was the closing night T-shirt.
3: Yeah, se- September fourth of two thousand ten. Yeah, be ten years. That was four days after my sixtieth birthday. Wow, I know you do the math. You look, good. <laughs> you
0: look good, buddy. By the way, I yeah. found a photo of Michael Goodell who you mentioned. He sent this oh. one in. This was a night at the Follies where you guys evidently switched all of your costumes. see yeah, yeah, if anybody would yeah. notice uh, during the bout. Did anybody notice? Well, yeah, now here's here's here's
1: the story behind this. Uh, Mike and Frank—that was Michael's partner. Uh, uh, Michael is dressed as me in that photo, and I'm dressed as Michael. So this was the flight. The name of their act was the Fly By Nights, a, a comedy juggling act. So this was their last night in the Follies. This was their closing night. So we decided in the finale that we were going Mike and I were going to change places. So we dressed Mike up, Michael Goudot in my costume, and we slicked his hair back. I put on Goudot's costume and I combed my hair forward. So when when the three of us were standing together backstage, everything looked okay. (laughs) Because people go, Oh, yeah, that's Lance and Mike and Frank. And and they recognize the costume, but it was only when they came out separately that people, so, so we're standing backstage and one of the, one of the singers in the show, Ron DeCar, he walks by us and he takes about 10 steps and he stops, and then he turns and he looks back at us, and then, and then he starts to turn again, and he takes another step and he stops and he turns again, and he does like this triple take, and finally he crosses his arms and he just stares at us for like 30 seconds, And you can see the wheels turning in his head and he's thinking something's something's wrong with this photo, with this picture, but I don't know what it is. And then finally it dawns on him that Mike and I are in the wrong costume. And now his face goes, (laughs) we're seconds away from going out on stage in the finale. So now the two girls come by, Teresa and in Albany, the two girl singers who who Michael Gudel wound up marrying uh, Teresa, so they come by, and now and now Ronda Carr says, now we can see him whispering and pointing at us, and the two girls look at us, and then they look back at him. And go what? And he's like, look at him, look at him. And the girls look at us again. And they go what? And then finally we see him whispering, and then then they look at us, and then their eyes get all big. Oh. So now <laughs> now's the finale. So. And I have to—I have to impress. No one in the audience noticed. <laughs> no one in the audience knew what anything was wrong. So we get to the finale. My, so it's so it's so they so the uh, the first one out is Lance Burton because I was the early act and they were the the the, the middle or the closing act. So says so Lance Burton and Michael Goudot walks out on stage dressed as me. Audience <laughs> didn't notice the difference. <laughs> But the entire cast, uh, the, the entire cast, the, the, the 50 dancers and showgirls and, and acrobats, they're all posed on stage in the finale. They all see Goudot. And now every show, they're go, ah, and they're all screaming and slapping their knee and just going crazy. And Goudot walks out as me, you know, very thing and does his bow. Very serious. And then, and then they say "Fly by nights. And Frank and I come out. And I'm kind of, I got juggling clubs in my hand and I'm like acting all goofy, like Michael Godot and we do our pal and we go around and we get in our spots. We never break character. Michael stays as me and I stay as him. And, and the curtain, as the curtains come down, the audience is applauding and the three of us were the only ones on stage that were doing what we were supposed to do. The entire cast is all screaming and, Slapping each other and, and and going crazy, and that's how the curtain came down. And then wow, I crazy. afterwards I thought, oh boy, I hope this isn't my last night too.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. I'm mean, actually on Instagram and said, speaking of uh, the costume changing, has there ever has there been somebody famous uh, or or magician we might know that's worn the villain costume? Has that ever been an opportunity for shenanigans?
1: Uh, yeah, I think we did. Years ago, for an SAM convention that was here in Las Vegas, we did a bit, and I can't remember the whole bit, but I I remember, I think was it Johnny Thompson? We took the thing off, and it was Johnny Thompson underneath it. <laughs>
3: what so, was it? Was it Junior? Was it Jonathan Pendragon? Was it what? Was it John, Johnny or Jonathan Pendragon? I think it was Johnny Thompson. Okay,
1: I can't remember.
0: It's been that's been twenty years ago. Wow. Well, this is the record of that story. So now it is definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Actually, great well, photos of, of, of you three together. That's uh, you guys hanging out with Johnny in front of a pizzeria. Yeah, that. You that, that very is, dressed up in order to get a slice. That is, that <laughs> is, that was the world premiere of my movie.
3: Billy Toppin. Billy, Billy Toppin.
1: Top right up It's the poster. That was, that was the world premiere and that was at the Palms Hotel and uh, Johnny, of course, and Fielding were both uh, uh, had major characters in the movie. And there's there's me and Fielding and Pam Thompson.
3: That's that's your birthday party, buddy. Oh. March first.
1: Was that my the, the one we just had? That was over at uh, Norman Lupe.
3: At Norm's, yes, yeah. absolutely.
1: Yeah. So so Lupe Lupe calls me and says, "Oh, uh, and gives me a date," and says. It was like my birthday's March 10th, and and it, this was like March, you know, 5th. March
3: first. March first.
1: Yeah. So she says, "Oh, I I have a thing I have to do, and could you come and and hang out with Norm, take him to lunch?" And I said, "Yeah, sure." And I I uh, I do I would do that, you know, a couple times a year, and I always have a great time with Norm, and and we'd go to lunch, and and, uh, I, and Fielding would meet us or Bill Smith, and then I'd take Norm. We get I Norm and I would get ice cream on the way back home. And so this was us. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I love hanging out with Norm. So I I get over there and I open the door door and all of a sudden all my friends are there. Uh, uh, and it's a surprise party. So they got me because, you know, it wasn't really it was before my birthday. So they I wasn't
0: I wasn't suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> That's an amazing. I love a good surprise party. That's amazing.
1: Yeah. So it was. A, but I had, I had no idea. I showed up and all of a sudden it was a
3: it was a party. What was funny was I told I called Lance because I didn't want him to be suspicious. And I said, what are you going to do tonight? He says, I'm taking Norm to dinner. Why don't you go with us? And I said, well, I'll call Bill Smith and get him to go with us. Said, oh, good idea, Fielding. Call Bill Smith. So I forgot to call Bill Smith. <laughs>
1: I called Bill that morning. Hey, you're going to meet us for lunch? He goes, what? I says, Fielding was supposed to tell you. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah I'll, be, I'll be there. Sure, I'll be happy to be there.
0: So, <laughs> Fielding almost blew the surprise. Here's a picture of you guys. I think coordinating over walkie-talkie. This oh, is no. uh,
3: <laughs> the Beatles. The Beatles that's Museum.
1: Beatle. The Beatles Experience in Liverpool. Uh, after we did, uh, after we did Blackpool. And anybody, any magician who's never gone to Blackpool, it's fantastic. What a great convention. And Larger, it's the largest African American pool now. It's 2020. So the, there's like five five thousand magicians and then after the day after the convention we 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 wanted to go and do some sightseeing and our our buddy oh there's sean
0: hi sean sean was making a joke about the surprise party saying sometimes you can catch a magician (laughs) (laughs) and and uh our friend
1: paul stone uh who who grew up in liverpool uh was our tour guide and took us all around and And they have this museum called the Beatles Experience, and you can go, and they give you a little headset, and 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 it's a kind of a guided tour with the with the little uh, iPod. So it was it
3: was absolutely uh, amazing.
1: Yeah, five thousand. That's right, five thousand
3: magicians. and one bathroom. Yeah, (laughs) but you don't know you don't know how close that is is to the truth.
1: (laughs) The venue that we did the show in was the Blackpool Opera House, and that was built like in the 1860s. And it's a gorgeous theater, and I think it seats like 2,500 or 3,000. So you, so two shows to get the whole, the whole convention in. But what a great time we had there. And that is –
0: yeah, that was from Blackpool too. There's Matt King. Yeah, you guys were a huge hit. I think it was the, sort of the Mac and Lance convention this year. Everybody was super excited. Matt killed it
1: uh, he, he did his one-man show and there were actually fist fights because people could not get into the show they I think they underestimated uh, how big a star Matt King is and and how big a draw he is because they had they had his one-man show scheduled at like midnight in 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 not the main the Opera House, but in a smaller venue in that same complex, and it filled up fast. And I think it seated only, you know, maybe 600 people, and there were another thousand people that were trying to get in to see him. And people okay.
3: start throwing beers, and there was a fist fight. Well, the, re- <laughs> I wasn't the reason here, I didn't was, see it. The reason there was fist fights there uh, because, and, and this is very true, they underestimated Matt King's drawing power. Yeah. So yeah. Mac threw the first punch. <laughs> <laughs> but then Mac also appeared
1: on uh, uh, the gala show on Saturday night.
3: Yes, he did. Yes, he so did. everybody got
1: to see him, you know, do a 15-minute a, a spot. So, uh, but but what a great, uh, what a fun, fun convention.
0: Well, I, I, I one of the things that I love about Lance Burden and Friends is you hear that people throw that around when they do tours. They say their name and friends. But you're actually bringing your real friends. That oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly, yeah. Uh, my whole con- my whole concept for the show was, you know, most people, most guys, when they get together with their buddies, you go away for the weekend. They're going to go fishing or camping, and uh, you know, and, and drink a few beers, and, and and that's that's what they do. But uh, when I get together with my friends, I don't drink first of all. And uh, but but my friends, when I get together with them, we do magic and 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 tell jokes and entertain each other. And so I'm thinking. Well, as long as we're going to do that, we might as well have an audience. It's more fun if you got an audience to do this, and you get paid for it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> exactly. So that's amazing. Didn't I tell you, Fielding? We're cutting that part out. Uh-oh. <laughs> Fielding,
0: uh oh. Fielding, we're starting to get towards the end. Um, this uh, this has been so much fun. Any parting
3: thoughts about uh, about lands and any insights you can share? There's the one thing that I will always, someone says, what's Lance Burton like personally? And I always say anybody that spends as much time with young magicians, encouraging them to learn the art and to put their time in uh, on doing their own shows and rehearsing, plus all the dedication and time that he puts in on those animals, plus Lance is responsible for me being the vice president of Variety Children's Charities of Southern Nevada We deal with those that are severely and profoundly handicapped and Lance was responsible for that. So he works for all three of those different groups and I can't say enough about him. Uh, Fielding, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Love you, man. Stay safe. Uh, We'll
0: see you soon. Feeling worth everybody. everybody. Thank you, buddy. That's amazing. And uh, as we wrap up, by the way, we, we tried to put him in, but he escaped from his own camera feed uh, Andrew Bazo, you were also a part of the Lance Burton Teen Seminar. Yeah, you can yes. Say, uh, oh. What that meant to you to oh. be a part of the program?
5: Yeah, like uh, I'm so thankful. Definitely, uh, me coming to the Lance Burton Teen Weekend uh, when I was 18. You know, flying for my first time alone all the way to America with a big dream of the World Magic Seminar and being accepted to be part. You know, between those uh, uh, 30 teenagers. Definitely, for me, was like a dream within a dream, and uh, has been a life-changing experience. Definitely. Yeah, the weird thing was that you
0: didn't have an accent until after the seminar, so I don't know what they did to you there. But uh, <laughs> other than that, uh, Andrew, thank you for popping in, and uh, yeah. you were doing escapes as well. Did was some of Lance's
5: uh, earlier escapes an influence for you? Well, definitely. Yeah, I remember sitting in the theater, you know, getting ready to see the show, and he was showing that video of the roller coaster escape. And, uh, of course, you know, I was already more on the escapes more than illusions and magic and definitely, you know, great inspiration. So Lance, this is a great gift from Harrison for me to, you know, be and say thank you to you oh, very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. So kind of you to join us. And I, I, I appreciate your words about, uh, the teen seminar and, 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 uh, this, this is what it's about. It's about, you know, the next generation of magicians and, and preserving our art form, making sure there's magicians always in the future and you're out there doing it. And God bless you and continued success. Thank you. Thank
0: you so much for popping in. And Uh, and I I didn't charge him a lot of money to do this. I promise it was a very, very reasonable uh, answer. Thank you so much. Uh, Stay safe, man. Thank you. Uh, And we're at our final question, which is the the final question I ask every one of my guests, which is uh, there are a lot of young magicians who are watching. Uh, some people who should absolutely, by the way, we put the URL earlier, but if you just visit IBM's website, you can join, you can be part of the uh, the seminar, which is happening. It's going to be virtual. It won't be uh, physical, but it will be happening. It's a two-day event. Lance is there, Eugene, uh, not Eugene, uh, La- um, Jeff yeah. his spirit will be there though. Um, and uh, that's the website to go magician.org. That's how you join the IBM. Um, but for those young magicians who are watching Lance, uh, what advice would you give them?
1: Yeah, listen. My advice is is th- this is what it all bore, boils down to. We know you love magic, and you're reading about magic, and you're practicing magic, and you're working on your act, and you're inventing. Those are all things you got to do, and you do every day. You work on your act, but here's the key: if you want to be a great magician, it doesn't happen in your room rehearsing. It doesn't happen in your studio. It doesn't happen on TikTok or Facebook. It happens when you're in front of an audience. So my advice is get out there in front of an audience. It doesn't matter if it's in a nightclub or a theater. You're not gonna have a nightclub or a theater when you're a young magician. You're gonna have a birthday party. You're gonna have a festival. You're gonna have a hospital. You're gonna have a nursing home. You're gonna have a daycare center. You you go wherever people are that will sit and watch your act. When I was a teen, I worked cheap. I would do an act anywhere I could get an audience, even if it was a free show. And and people, people look at my career and they see the first time I was on uh, the Johnny Carson show in 1981. That's when people think my career started because that's the first time most people saw me was on Johnny Carson. But what they don't understand was leading up to that, I had, there, there it is. <laughs> I had... 1,000 shows under my belt before I stepped out on that stage uh, at NBC that night. I had done a thousand shows at age 21. I had a thousand shows under my belt in front of strangers, not in front of my family and friends. And that's what you need to do: go out, set yourself a goal. I'm going to do 10 shows this month. You know, I'm going to do 100 shows this year because. What you want to do is shoot for a thousand shows because that's what it takes to have a professional act. You go out and you have a tool now. I didn't have. You have video cameras built in your phone. I didn't. didn't even have camcorders back then.
0: That's right. Back then they had to sketch you and then create a flipbook in yeah. order to watch your act.
1: You you get yourself a little tripod and put your phone on it. Every time you go to a show, you just set it down, record it, and go home and watch it. Even even when I was a headliner in Las Vegas, when I was at the Monte Carlo Hotel, I was, a, I was a headliner. I had my name on the marquee. I was doing TV specials. I would go in. I would do two shows, and those shows were recorded, and it, it, was a, it, was a, it was a VHS tape, and then it went to a DVD later, but every night when I walked off stage, my stage manager, Alan Bracken, handed me that tape or that DVD, and I took it home. When I got home, I, I got my dinner and I put that in the machine and I hit play. And I sat there and I ate my dinner and I watched the show and I had a notepad. And then when I noticed something, I went, oh, wait a minute. That curtain <laughs> was a hair late. I wrote a note. And I every night I did that. And then when I went to work the next day, I, I would go to Alan. I say, Alan, I got 10 notes. This curtain was late. This one was too early. This person came in there. Okay. And then I got to go talk to this girl. When you come out, you know, use this hand. So whatever it is, the things that I noticed the night before watching the tape and that's what you do. But, but it begins with thousand shows in front of an audience. Listen, listen to what the audience is telling you. And that's, that's the only secret there is just go out and perform.
0: Yeah, no, that's fantastic advice. And even though it is a pandemic, there are ways to get uh, to perform for people. And uh, you can also start practicing and recording yourself and getting ready for when uh, things do return and you can uh, perform in
1: crowds. Use this time to prepare. I'm, I'm preparing. I'm learning. I'm
0: working on two new tricks right now. I am so excited. I, that, that is one of the most exciting things I've heard all of quarantine. Lance, thank you so, so much for joining me. It has been an incredible honor and a thrill to have you on the show uh, thank you so so much. Uh, thank you
1: Harrison for inviting me and you are a fantastic host and you have this nailed you've got the people coming in and you're doing all this all by yourself. I'm I'm so impressed and I apologize
0: we've gone long and I'm, I've am i gotten so long-winded. Oh so no I it's okay people I, I can see the viewership numbers and People have been riveted from start to finish. People are, are, are so happy to share this time with you. Well,
1: thank you. And and if you want, yes. So I'm talking to uh, so I'm talking to the IBM. I've, I was talking to Alex uh, uh, the, the other day, Alexander. So we're trying to find a date. So maybe we'll play some TV specials. So I'm still working on that. And let Alex know. Let us
0: know if you want if you want that to happen. So we'll we're working on that. Absolutely, Lance. Thank you so so much. Uh, stay safe, stay well. I cannot wait to see those card tricks. Thanks. And I hope I will talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys. Got the Lance Burden, everybody. What an unbelievable episode. Thank you guys so, so much for tuning in. Uh, this show is every Monday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Uh, or 4 p.m. if you're on the West Coast. Um, some of the information that we went over in the show, uh, you can follow Lance, Lance Burden, M.M. That's Master Magician. He's on Twitter. And if you'd like to join the Lance Burden Teen Seminar, it's bit.ly slash 2020 LBTS. That's Lance Burden Teen Seminar. And if you'd like to join the IBM, just go to magician.org. Slash join the IBM slash join. Our guest on Wednesday is Jeff McBride, who is also part of the Lance Bird and Teen Seminar. I'll pop that link up one more time. And Elaine Boozer, one of our guests, has a fantastic charity helping animals. It's talesofjoy.net. A huge, huge thanks to all the special guests that dropped by. We had uh, Ruben Borland and Andrew Basso from the Lance Bird and Teen Seminar program. We had Elaine Boozer, one of the most legendary comedians of all time. And Fielding West. Who is a, a fantastic performer? Uh, so happy to have him on the show, and of course, uh, an absolute huge thank you to one of the uh, the greatest magicians of all time. I think I can say that Lance Burden, who uh, was so generous with his time and and incredible stories. We even got a tour, which is amazing. Um, so make sure you follow him, Lance Burden, mm. That's his Twitter. Um, he also has his website, LanceBurden.com. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining. We are here every Monday and Wednesday. My Twitter is at Harrison Comedy. This has been another really, really fun episode of Who Books That? So thank you guys so much. I see all the comments, people from literally all around the world on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. You guys uh, are, are amazing. So stay safe, stay well. My name is Harrison Greenbaum and we will see you on Wednesday. Take care, everybody.